We get it popping, homie, day and night. Got the party jumping, about to break the ice. Stay up on my grind, that's my way of life. I got tunnel vision, I'ma chase that ray of light. is going on everybody you are back on jake's takes of course the podcast presented by tunnel vision sports excited to be back with everybody as always i'm jake serrano here to take you off on the weekend we're ready to rock ready to start your weekend off with jake's takes and some of our takes today and uh happy saturday to everyone again wild week in sports we know march madness heating up we got the final four coming if you haven't checked that already on tunnel vision sports we have our uh, round table the final four round table really good stuff Jasmine, John, Fawad, me, we all did a really great job on it. So go check that out. It's on YouTube uh, at Tunnel Vision Sports on YouTube. So check that out. Give it a look. Give it a like. Uh, Really good stuff. We talked about the Final Four and everything heading into it on the men's and women's side. So super excited to talk about that. And, of course, stuff going on in New Jersey. Another crazy week. Uh, Week went by pretty fast, I would say. And, uh, again, froze my butt off to start the week. Dropped down in the 20s. I don't know why New Jersey weather's like that. but Again, froze my butt off from Monday to Wednesday, and then it decided to heat up a little bit. And today we're dealing with some 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 tornado warnings and some storms. So you gotta love that New Jersey. You gotta love that New Jersey weather. You gotta love that New Jersey feel. And uh, speaking of New Jersey, I got a, I got an exciting introduction today. A good friend of mine. We got another New Jersey native, Jared Danko. Jared Danko, how are you doing today, my friend? Excited to excited to have you on. Thank you for having me, Jake. I'm, I'm feeling all right. You know, it's Thursday, almost. It's not Thursday. It's Saturday. It's Thursday. Right? It's Thursday. On, we're recording on Thursday, but it comes out on Saturday. <laughs> Throws everybody off. <laughs> all right. So it's feeling great. We're starting the week off strong, and a lot of stuff happened in sports this weekend, and I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, so I appreciate you coming on. I know I called you on last minute, but I'm excited to have you on. But uh, before we start, just um, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Uh, you're the first time, it's the first time I've ever had you on. So go ahead, just talk about yourself for a little bit. Yeah, of course. So uh, I'm still in high school. You know. I'm a junior and I, I do three sports. I do, do track in the winter and the spring and I also play soccer, but I also used to play flag football and I've been watching football for pretty much the last decade. And I really, really enjoy it. And I like talking about it. That's why I'm here. Good, because that's what we're talking about. So it's good that I subjected those the, these topics for you. All right, so you're ready, I'm ready, and let's get ready for our first take of the day. Here we go. So the NFL overtime changed this week. Uh, obviously, the owners, the coaches, the GMs, everybody met down in Palm Beach in Florida this week, and the NFL decided to go on the Eagles' proposal. The Titans had a proposal, but it was different. They didn't go upon that. And they took upon the Chiefs' proposal, and they changed the NFL overtime. So instead of the sudden death, and, and they changed it in the playoffs. So instead of the sudden death in the in the regular season, like they would do in the playoffs, the playoffs is now both teams will get both possessions. Uh, each offense will get a chance to score. And if the game is tied at the end of uh, two possessions, what will happen is they'll go back to sudden death, and then the game will be decided from there. You know, I talked about this on a couple shows earlier uh, in the year. 
But I, this is something I was advocating for. I thought maybe they should have played. They should play out the whole quarter because you have that quarter there for an overtime. Why not use it? But now each team's going to get a a chance to have possession of the ball. A reason going back to Josh Allen and the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, back in that divisional round game, something where it's the, this conversation sparked up again. The NFL changed it. They did something about it. A lot of fans are excited about it. I've heard a lot of analysts aren't really happy about it, like former analysts who are players and GMs don't really like this. Uh, I, I'm sort of excited about it. Jared, I'm interested to get your thoughts on this. What do you think about the NFL overtime changes? I feel like it's like they made a big thing about changing overtime rules, but I don't feel like it's really enough of a change to actually make a difference. Here's the, here's the thing, but we were, we were really spoiled this off, uh, this, uh, this postseason. We had some of the greatest games. That, that, that divisional weekend, absolutely mind-blowing. Such great games. But we don't, and you don't get all those all those great games all the time. So odds are next postseason, maybe there's one overtime game if we're lucky. Sometimes there's, sometimes there's none. So is this change really going to have that big an impact when there's so many more overtime games that happen like during the regular season where this rule, where it's supposed to make it more fair to give other teams a better chance, it's not even going to take effect. So it's not even going to affect half the teams in the league. They're not even going to get a chance to have this. So I feel like if this is how they're going to do it, I feel like it should be implemented not just in the postseason when it really matters. I feel like it'd be better to do it in a regular season. Let's say you get you get the ball, you get the coin toss, and you decide to defer. If they score a touchdown, then you get the ball. All you got to do is, is score a touchdown. If you don't want to give the ball back to them, just go for a two-point conversion. You could try winning it right there. So I find it interesting that they're putting it where it matters the most and not in the regular season where a loss is in the end. Yeah, there, there's some, there were some negative thoughts about this. I know Commissioner Roger Goodell came out and said, we listened to the fans. We did it for the fans. And, I, you know, I was listening to some other people, and, and I thought about it for a second. You know, the Bengals in the AFC Championship game, a team that was down and came back in the se- second half, if you remember that game, Jared. And they went on, obviously, to go to the Super Bowl. We both know that. But they sealed the game on an overtime interception. So that there's, there's, there's a thing where now people are saying, well, you, you have four quarters to finish the game, right? And, and now you're going into the, to, to the overtime, and now you're making it for both teams to have the ball. You're making it a little harder on defense and a little harder on each team. I think it makes it more exciting. I do hear with where a lot of other people's viewpoints are coming from, uh, whereas, you know, you go into overtime and, and you spent four full quarters, and if you couldn't get it done, this is it. And you have to rely on your defense, too. A, a lot of people are saying this takes away from the defense act, aspect of the game. There is a rule on this where if the kickoff team goes, they kick it off down the field and for the first team's offense to have the possession and the defense gets a safety, the kickoff team wins the game. That works too. I know the Titans had a proposal where if you got a two-point, you scored a touchdown and then got a two-point conversion. I don't think that's a rule, uh, but they, they, they rejected that one. But I thought that would have been cool if, the, if you went for a two-pointer and sealed the game that way because it definitely makes it a little harder because you got to go down and get the touchdown and then you got to get the two-point, which is always a little harder. But yeah, I agree with you, Jared. I thought this was going to be a little more universal. I thought maybe they would go into the regular season a little more. They clearly just left it off to the playoffs. Uh, and how many overtimes are we really going to see in the playoffs in the next decade? This, this, like you said, this past offseason and this past season was something like we've never seen before. And I, I don't know how often we're going to see overtime in a playoff game. I think this, this offseason was just a little different. And I, I agree with you. I don't think it changes that much, but it's definitely a step in the right direction, Jared. I, I don't know if you agree with me on that. 
Yeah, no, I definitely agree it's a step in the right direction. I'm just not quite sure if changing the fact that both teams get a possession is is the right way to go about it. Because if you if you think back to that, uh, the Chiefs-Bills game, it was offense running the show. There was four touchdowns in the last two minutes of the game. So whatever team is going to get the ball starting the overtime, they're going to win the game. I feel like it should be a bit more focused on not – keep it, making it based off of a coin toss because a coin toss in th- this case holds so much more power than in any other point in the game. Coin toss at the beginning of the game, you either you'll probably defer, get the ball second half. It's really not that big of a deal. And overtime, it's a huge deal. It's the matter of winning and losing in those cases. So I feel like changing that part, that aspect, where it's not just up to luck if you're getting the ball or not getting the ball, maybe have it based on who scored the last touchdown to – I'm not quite sure, but just having it based off more of like what has already happened in the game and not just putting it up to dumb luck. I feel like that's definitely a better way to go about it. But I do agree. At least giving both teams a shot is a much better way of handling overtime. I thought there was a different way they could have went about it. Personally, I don't know if this ever came up, and I don't think it did, but they, I think they should have just played out the whole quarter like another quarter, an extra, extra game of, regula- uh, of regulation, extra quarter. You have the 10, 15 minutes in overtime anyway. Why not use the whole whole time frame and just play it out as another quarter? Uh, but you're giving each team another possession. Uh, like I said, another step in the direction. I, I think there was a, another way they could have went about this, and I really thought they would have taken the Titans' proposal to do the two-point conversion, and if you take that two-pointer, you seal the game. That definitely would have made it a lot more fun. But again, things that stem off of the past, Josh Allen didn't really get a chance. A lot of people didn't get to see what he got had to do. You think back a couple of years ago to Tom Brady going to the Super Bowl against the Chiefs, right? And Patrick Mahomes didn't get a chance. So there's a lot of things that stem from this, but uh, definitely a move in the right direction. I just, I'm curious to see how, how often now we'll see overtime in the playoffs. So Jared, I actually wrote down a scenario. So we've been talking about a lot about the Chiefs and the Bills. Let's go into a what-if scenario. Had this rule been in place for the Bills and the Chiefs divisional round game, what do you think the end result would be? So we're going on a little bit of a rewind here. We're putting ourselves back in the Bills-Chiefs game. We're going back to coin toss, and now we have the rules that we have now. So what, what do you think the, uh, the outcome of this matchup would be, and do you think it changes that much at all? And do you think maybe it changes the Super Bowl outcome? Let's, let me hear your what-if scenario. Okay, so this is at least the scenario I have in my head. So we're still assuming Chiefs win the coin toss. But I don't think they're going to elect to receive, and I'll tell you why. I think that they're going to elect to defer, kick the ball off to the Bills, try to get a stop on defense. Odds are it's not going to happen. It it just wasn't how the game was going. But they'll try to get a stop on defense first. And if they're able to get momentum, make a stop, force them to either get a field goal or or get a turnover or something like that, that's great. If not, they get an unscored touchdown most likely likely outcome they get the ball back they now try to drive down the field to get their own touchdown but at that point i feel like they would try to just ice the game right there if they were to go down that route and they could beat them by getting that two-point conversion like the titans proposal except they're doing this by choice and and by the just aggression of the team so personally i think the game probably would have ended oh wait i'm blanking out what the score would have been would have been 43-42, I think, if I remember the score correctly. I'm not quite sure. But I still think the Chiefs would have won that game because they won that coin toss. But who knows? It's a what-if for a reason. Are you ready for this scenario? <laughs> Let's hear it. This scenario I came up with my mind. So when I first came up with this topic, I, I really thought it was interesting. Like, 
imagine, just imagine they had this rule in place, right? So I'm still thinking the same way. The Chiefs win the coin toss, yada, yada, yada. The Chiefs go down and score. And with the way the game was going at the time, you definitely remember there was a serious momentum of a back and forth swinging motion. Josh Allen would go out on the field, bam, touchdown. Patrick Mahomes, touchdown. Got the field goal at the end of the game. It was just a back and forth. So I think, again, Travis Kelce catches that touchdown uh, for the Chiefs. Okay? The Bills get a possession. Bills go down and score a touchdown. But the rule is if there's a tie, they go into sudden death, right? So then we rewind this whole situation over again. Again, I don't, I think they would have to redo the coin toss again, right? In sudden death. So now we'll come down to who wins this coin toss. And in my wife's scenario, I'm telling you the Buffalo Bills get their second chance and they get this coin toss and they go down the field once more and they take off, which, which was another reason I find this really confusing is because if a game like that, right, that was going back and forth, right, Jared, you would end up going into sudden death again anyway and you would have to do the coin toss again anyway so it's almost like an added supplemental to the minds of fans to ease them a little bit just just throwing them something because a game like that in my mind i think it would have went into sudden death regardless and if that was the case and the bills did get the chance whichever team in sudden death that second time probably would have won and if it was the chiefs they would have lost to the Bengals again and if it was the bills i think the bills were probably a more well-rounded team uh, at the time than the chiefs the Chiefs just got the best of them. The Bills probably would have ended up winning to, going to the Super Bowl, and uh, whatever happens there is there. But I think the Rams end up being uh, just that magical run. I think they still end up being the Super Bowl champs. But, again, the game would have went into another sudden death scenario just, just with the mere fact that game was going in that direction, back and forth, back and forth towards the end of the game. Let me, let me hear your thoughts on that, because don't you think it would have just ended up going into the tie again and then a sudden death? I mean, honestly, I did not hear the part where there was a second coin toss for overtime. I did not. I did not hear that. That's what I'm saying. I didn't. I don't know about that. I am just assuming right now that that's what it is. But they would have to go in sudden death again, anyway. And sudden death, it would it would refer back to the other old time overtime rules. And I'm assuming that they would just do the coin toss. Yeah, this definitely does make me think. So, So, personal preference, I would I would like them to do. College football overtime rules. That that just that just seems the most fun to me as a fan to watch. But it does make me think, how long do you think that game would go if it was college football overtime? Yeah, how how long? Yeah, I was just thinking about that. Honestly, if you do the college football playoffs, uh, I'm sorry, college football overtime rules, you start off, where do you start off? On the 25, right, Jared? And then you guys go in each end zone each time. Uh, let me just refer back to the Clemson Notre Dame game. I forget how many overtimes they did or how many times they did it, but Clemson and Notre Dame were back and forth, back and forth. This was a, like a year or two ago when Trevor Lawrence got hurt and Notre Dame was facing them as a note, uh, number two seed and they were going back and forth, but a game like this in the NFL with the way, like I said, with the way this game was going, I mean, this game just could have kept going regardless. It probably could have got up into the sixties, maybe seventies. And you probably would have seen like four or five overtimes. So at what point does it get to be, too much right and i think i think maybe this rule does it but for a game like this again it would end up going reverting back to and like i said reverting back to the old overtime rules so i would just assume with the old overtime rules you do the coin toss again all right yeah that that makes sense i just uh, imagine that game going on to like 1 a.m just well, in the fifth overtime. It was already one of the, the it was already one of the most watched uh, divisional round weekends ever, and I think that was one of the highest rated games in a really long time. So imagine it went on and on and on. 
I remember I, I had a I had a math final the next day. So I I, I put everything down. I'm like, I am watching this ending. Just saw Josh Allen, boom, laser across the field. Gabriel Davis, boom, Tyreek Hill, boom, Travis Kelsey, field goal <laughs> range. Oh, my goodness. It was insane. Just imagine that for an extra three hours. Oh, my gosh. That would, that would be have been a fun. spectacle. That would have been something. All right. So now that we got that down, let's move on to our next topic. Here we go. So Jimmy G and the West Coast stay. So Kyle Shanahan, head coach of the 49ers, uh, like I said earlier, there was a ton of meetings down in Palm Beach, Florida. The coaches met. They took the nice little annual photo down there in Palm Beach. And Andy Reid, you couldn't really see him in the background, but he was in the picture. Uh, but anyway, they met down there and reporters asked, and Kyle Shanahan said there was a possibility Jimmy Garoppolo could still be on the roster come season. Jimmy's done a great job for us. We brought Trey here to be that eventually, um, and I think that'll be sooner than later. But um, when Jimmy gets his surgery, and um, we can't upgrade our team by getting some good picks until the surgery, until people feel good about that, I'm all right with that. I mean, we're not just getting rid of him to get rid of him. I mean, Jimmy's a good player that we all really like as a person and as a teammate, and we're going to wait to see whatever helps the Niners. Know. So it got me to think, at what point uh, – Will Jimmy G, and when do you think Jimmy G will get moved? Uh, do you think he's on the Niners roster at all? And if he is on the Niners roster, Jared, does he play instead of Trey Lance? Sorry. So personally for me, I don't see why he would stay on this ro- the roster. That is, he is currently on a five-year, $137 million contract. That's a lot for a quarterback. Now, you don't even know if you want to start because – He's an average quarterback. Wait, let me pause you right there. Just why I want to add to, he has that, remember, he's got that soldier, so, shoulder surgery on his throwing shoulder. So I think, too, that, that there's also a hesitation from other teams to trade for him, but keep going. If, if you don't get him off your roster, I don't, by trading him, I don't think he's really worth having because you have this the star we, we don't Trey Lance we don't really know how he's going to play he could turn out good could turn out so bad he has had some good flashes a couple times he played last season but that is a big contract for a quarterback that you don't feel that great about I mean with in a perfect scenario you get to the NFC championship like you just did the past season with him but I don't know. I don't know if it's worth keeping on on the roster with what he what he currently has. If you think he if you think he has to get moved, where does he get moved to? Like, if you're so Mm -hmm. unsure of him being on the roster, what team is the team you think uh, gives up a pick or gives a chance on him after shoulder surgery and says, "Yeah, I think he's the guy." Because there's obviously there's a couple teams, and we don't know what's going to happen after the draft. Uh, There's always going to be a team that needs a quarterback, or even in training camp. There could be a team that loses their QB. So, I mean, what team right now, currently standing today, if they have someone we're going to trade for them, what team do you think would trade for them? Okay. So I'm staying away from the AFC because the AFC, it's a bloodbath. I, I don't think it's worth them even trying to go there. I can't really think of a team that would that would really benefit from having them. So I'm looking at the NFC. I'm trying to look at a roster that maybe is like – it's like pretty good, not great, but look at a roster that maybe with some average quarterback play could make a push towards the playoffs as I'm, there's probably only five, six actually good teams in the NFC. The one team that comes to mind is the Carolina Panthers. They have they have cap space. They have, they have an all right team. 
O-line is okay. Yeah, CMC, if he comes back healthy. Pretty good weapons with DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson. He had an offseason. And then an all-right defense with some pretty solid uh, uh, defensive line pieces. So I feel like Jimmy G on that team, I, I don't, I'm not a huge Sam Darnold fan. He had a really bad last season. But I feel like there he might be able to have some success and maybe make, help him make a push towards the playoffs. As I said, the NFC is very weak right now. Any team could get in there. Uh, two seasons ago, it was the Bears making it to the playoffs on the Nickelodeon game. Last season, it was the Eagles that just got stomped by the Buccaneers. It's There's always one random team in the NFC that really definitely would not make the playoffs or even come close to the AFC. So who knows? It could be the Panthers, and I feel like that would not be a horrible fit for Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, I agree with you. The NFC obviously is not as strong. We, we see I've talked about it, and we see what the AFC looks like now. I would personally say Seattle, but he they are in the NFC West, which is the division the Niners are in. So I could see that being a problem trading in division. We don't see a lot of those trades nowadays, but Seattle needs a QB. Thinking about another quarterback that still has to be traded, Baker Mayfield. And I, I thought about this for a little bit. Maybe Baker stays on the roster because we don't know if the, how long Deshaun Watson will be suspended for. It sounds like he will be. I don't know how many games. My thought is maybe six to eight games. Maybe they keep Baker for those games, but they did sign Jacoby Brissett. So Baker Mayfield's still a question out there, and he's a guy that brings a lot of energy and can bring something to a team. So he's out there, and then you got Jimmy G out there, and I think it's inevitable that he gets traded after the draft and post-draft. And like I said earlier, like I was just telling you before, teams are hesitant, and it seems like they're hesitant to trade for him because of a shoulder surgery, right? But he's he, he's proven – when healthy, when healthy, he is a winning quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, okay? He's taking them to the NFC Championship and the Super Bowl, almost the Super Bowl again if, uh, if Tark catches that, that interception in the Rams game, right? So Jimmy G has that proven winning factor, right? And, and he's on a big deal. He's, he's, a, he's a really – it's really important to have a good backup quarterback nowadays, Jared, right? Because – there's so much uncertainty with everything that goes on in the NFL, and especially in a division and in an NFC conference that is so winnable and so grabbable by any team. If Trey Lance were to go down, you have a guy that could step right in, Jimmy G, and bring you back to where you were before. Uh, now, I, I think it's time to move on from him. I think you drafted Trey Lance for a reason. You didn't give up three first round picks to go up in the draft and get Trey Lance, right? This guy has to start. They can't, they cannot fail on, on Trey Lance. They have to get this right because they thought this was going to be the next step up, something that would get them through uh, probably past the Super Bowl, win the Super Bowl, and maybe a dynasties to come. They said, this is the guy, right? So you got to, you got to move on at some point. I think after the draft, there's going to be at least one team that's still going to have a need, or maybe they, you do it in the draft training camp. There's always someone that gets hurt preseason. It's always inevitable. Someone gets hurt. I still think Washington is a liable place to, for quarterback, I do not think Carson Wentz, unless he surprises me in some way, I don't think he's going to pick up where he left off after his injury so many years ago and have an MVP type season. I just don't see it happening. So Jimmy G, if Ron Rivera wants to save his job down in Washington, where it seems like it's coming close to a thread, I think Jimmy G, again, you bring in a winnable guy. He's there. Seattle is, again, another option. And I love Carolina. Matt Rule, again, I think he's on the hot seat too, even though he's only been there for two or three years now. 
it's getting a little scary because they haven't been able to put it together. They have a good defense there. They have the weapons, the offensive lines coming together. You need to find a quarterback in Carolina to get you over the hump, especially with Tom Brady back in the division. It's just going to be tough. Jameis Winston coming back to the Saints, who's got good continuity with the team. And then the Falcons, I don't know what they're doing down there. Uh, they made Matty Ryan uh, pretty mad, so he left. But they got Marcus Mariota. I think they'll do something in the draft. But again, Falcons could be another team too that picks up a quarterback. I don't think they will because they got Mariota. But there's a lot of places for him to go. And to think he would stay on the 49ers team just doesn't sound right in my mind, considering the fact that they've been looking to move off for him, not just from this season, from the last season. And, and since they drafted Trey Lance, and it almost seems like Jimmy G, early in his mind, he's gone and has left the team. He just hasn't found a trade partner. And if he were to stay on the team, I could honestly see him playing, uh, which is kind of scary to sound. But I really think that for the best, for Trey Lance and for the rest of the team, even though Jimmy G is a good backup and a good, uh, good mentor to Trey Lance, you got to move on from him at some point to give Trey Lance the keys to the castle. I think we also have to think about with the NFL draft coming up, for a team that's trying to move away from a quarterback, they might draft a quarterback. This isn't the strongest class, as we, uh, as we all know. But if they're drafting a quarterback and they don't want him to start this year, Jimmy G just did it this season. Why not have him do it again? You you bring over the rookie quarterback. You bring over Jimmy G. You have him start over him for a year. Maybe it helps you win an extra couple of games for one of those NFC teams. And then the season after, you move on from Jimmy G. You either cut him to save the money or you try trading him again. And you let whatever that new quarterback come up, if that's Malik Willis, if that's Carson Strong, that's Kenny Pickett, any of those quarterbacks you don't want him starting this year. I feel like any team that goes and gets a quarterback in his draft could be a very strong contender to get Jimmy Garoppolo as their QB one for the season. Yes, I agree because, because Jimmy G is that guy who you can plug and play. Like I said, he's winnable and he could be a good mentor and you know, he's not going to be with you because there's durability there. He's getting up a little bit in age, but he's not the guy, the guy to be in. And if you draft a quarterback, like, uh, like there's a Jared golf scenario where, where the Lions could draft a quarterback and Jared golf's the, uh, the bridge, Jimmy Garoppolo is a good bridge, so I agree with you there. Uh, so if a team does do that. Any final thoughts on this topic, Jared? Not really. I'm just, I'm just excited to see where he goes because I, I really cannot imagine him staying on, on that roster. I don't see it happening. Yeah, there's a lot of scenarios for him to move on, and uh, I, I don't see it either, especially with the draft and post-draft coming up. If he is on the roster come season – uh, we've entered a yet another very, very, very weird scenario. And I think there's a good chance he plays. He plays if the season comes on. But let's move on to our next topic. Here we go. So we learned about more NFL news. We know Bruce Arians on Wednesday announced his retirement. He'll be moving on. Still in the organization, but to a front office position. And Todd Bowles, the Todd Bowles, will be stepping in as head coach for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this season. So, Jared, lost the question for a second. What are your thoughts on Bruce Arians retiring? And what are your expectations for Todd Bowles? Obviously, I got a little, little something towards Todd Bowles. We got a little feeling connection together. He was with the Jets for a little bit. We got the Jets stuff back here. So I got some stuff to say, but let me start with you first. What do you think about the Todd Bowles hiring? Uh, what are your expectations for him? And what are your thoughts about Bruce Arians retiring and your initial reactions on that? If the month of March, it, everyone thought it couldn't get any crazier. 
and he just retires. I don't. I really do not understand the move. I, I know he's retired from head coaching before and everything, but you just got your quarterback back. You just got him there. Why are you going? Why are you moving all away from head coaching? The NFC to win that conference, it could be a walk in the park. How many? How many reliably good teams are left in the NFC? You could count them on one hand. And honestly, Rams, they might be starting to fall apart at some places because they just got rid of a lot of people. The the Packers, they just got rid of Devontae Adams. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, he's going to be throwing to, uh, to a bunch of nobodies, really. Yeah, no one, yeah. I, I can think of Alan Lazard, Rand, Randall Cobb. I think he's still on the roster. I but, but, that's the only two wide receivers you can think of. So for the Buccaneers, which it seems like it's such a favorable path to make the Super Bowl and just step away, it just seems very strange to me why he would do so at this time. I, I, I like Bruce Arians as a coach and everything. I think he's a really good one. It just, it just does not make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I think I, I don't, I'm not going to guess anything because I don't know and I don't want to assume anything. But to me, I read something and it feels like maybe this has something to do with more personal. Obviously, there's got to be something a little more personal to this. Uh, but yeah, you just got Tom Brady back. The NFC is wide open. I think you're not maybe the number two team, maybe the number one team in the NFC right now, uh, especially with Tom Brady you, and uh, a recollecting team that has been able to bring back some pieces and some new pieces as well. You are a team that's top dog in the NFC aside from the Rams. Maybe the Packers, the Cowboys are always in this conversation. I don't want to mention them, but you're one of the top teams because you have a quarterback, right? There's only so few quarterbacks in the in the NFC right now who I could say are elite, like you know Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, uh, Dak Prescott. I think he's he, Dak Prescott. Yeah, yeah, you can shake your head, Jared, but Dak Prescott, he's up there. Uh, Matthew Stafford just got the Super Bowl ring. Uh, Kyler Murray. If I'm forgetting somebody else, Jared, tell me. But uh, but those guys. You're, you're, you have one of the top guys in the NFC, right? So I think there's a little more to this. My initial reaction was just like just like yours. Wow. I thought it couldn't get any crazier, but it did, right? Uh, and, and then some expectations for Todd Bowles. I'm going to hop on this first, and then, and then Jared, I want to hear what your thoughts on this. But being a Jets fan, right, Todd Bowles was, after Rex Ryan, was, a, uh, was something new, something different for the Jets, right? To me, I, I – there was always something I always thought was missing from Todd Bowles coaching. And maybe that changes in, in Tampa. And I'll get to that in a second, but, but he, I feel like he lacked some sort of energy. There was a, there was an energy lacking when I, and in the New York market, you're always on TV, right. And you're always in the media's face. I feel like there was some sort of some player to like energy disconnection. Uh, but this is a couple years ago. Last time he coached for just was 2018. Now that's not to say, he had one of the best seasons the Jets had in a really long time in 2015 when they went 10 and six and almost made the playoffs. And again, they did have three straight losing seasons after that, but I'm not going to knock him because he had quarterbacks to work with like Ryan Fitzpatrick, who was really well in 2015. Again, he had quarterbacks like Geno Smith, Bryce Petty, Josh McCown, guys who were suitable, but not a guy who's going to take you to playoffs and, and win. Uh, I'm sure nobody's even heard of Bryce Petty, right? Guy from Baylor uh, picked up in like the third or fourth round by the Jets, but Again, in his final year, they got Sam Darnold. Obviously, we didn't know what Sam Darnold was going to be at the time, but that was his last season, and that was it. He never really had a strong, strong rosters with the Jets. It was a tough time to be in the AFC East at the time, obviously with Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, and all those guys. There was a lot going on in New York. 
And I don't think it was the right time for Todd Bowles to be in there. Now, that said, he went back with Bruce Arians, reinvented the wheel, redid himself, created a Super Bowl winning defense, got a Super Bowl ring, and, and you know, schemed something up dynamic for the defense. He's, he's definitely improved his coaching and uh, management skills. Um, I'm looking to see how that translates to head coach now. Uh, obviously, he was a huge candidate. I've heard his name out. And this past offseason, I don't know about the last offseason, but I heard his name a couple times for head coaching jobs elsewhere. So clearly he was a head coaching candidate. Uh, he finally gets a second chance. I'm just curious to see how that all that translates, all his progress he's made, how that translates to head coaches, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Definitely has a way better roster than he did with how, whatever year he had of uh, the four years with the Jets. He's way better off. Uh, I think he definitely has a shot. And I'm rooting for Todd Bowles because he was he was a good head coach. He just just they never came together in New York. Uh, I want to hear your thoughts on that. Any expectations for Todd Bowles? Well, luckily for Todd Bowles, he's walking into a really nice situation at the moment, way, way better than what the Jets had for him. So and he's already been with this team for a little bit. So he knows exactly what to expect. And he's worked very well with the defense. The defense has been great the past two three seasons creating big turnovers that they have great playmakers they, they rush the ball they rush the passer very well and so the defense that's not going to be a problem and you're not gonna have to do much with the offense because i feel like tom brady can run the show himself if he so pleases he knows what he's doing up there you still have your offensive coordinator he knows what he's doing they had time to work so this isn't like a new system or anything just kind of moving over like the shift of power so i do expect them to focus a bit more on defense coming up in the draft just because of, of this now that he's a head coach he kind of has more of a say about where they go but i wouldn't really alter my expectations for the team that much this season just because of the rest of the staff and most of the players are back back of the team and the NFC is so wide open. They, they can, they can get back to the Super Bowl with ease. So Jared, before I, uh, I let you go, um, any final thoughts on anything we talked about today? I, I think the NFL just got to slow down for a minute. It's been way, way too yeah. crazy. I'm just, Oh, maybe just like a couple of days. Just, just no news. Just, just give me a minute. I can't do all this anymore. Before a lot. Before I have you go, uh, did you have a? I know it's been hectic, but out of that, out of the craziness, what was your favorite moment so far this NFL offseason? If you could pick one. Wow. Oh well, let well, uh, me hear. Let me I hear. Pick you. One. I know what you're gonna. I know what you're gonna say now. Never mind. A L- little bit of bias on this one, but um, I, I I remember it so so vividly. It was it was the day Aaron Rodgers got signed to a four year, two hundred million dollar deal. My heart just sinks. I, I see it in the middle of class. It was already a bad class period. It just made it even worse. And I'm in the locker room. Also, one of my friends comes up to me and he goes, did you hear about Russell Wilson? What? I start freaking out, I, running around in the locker room, sc- screaming. I look at the deal. Oh, oh, the Broncos gave up so much, but I don't care. I don't care. Broncos getting Russell Wilson for the two first rounders, two second rounders, a fifth, yeah, fifth rounder, Shelby Harris, Noah Fant, Drew Locke for Russell Wilson and a fourth rounder. Favorite move of the offseason. Let's go, Broncos. Did you think they were going to get Aaron Rodgers? Because I thought he that's that spot he was going to go. And then all of a sudden, everything started to fall in line after that. Initially, is that where your it, thought it, were? Your thoughts were? It, it, it was. And of course, I would have been 
euphoric to have Aaron Rodgers as well. But I, I was always more on the Russell Wilson train. I, of course, I wasn't really had my hopes that high because the past five seasons of Broncos quarterback play has been abysmal. And we already knew that Russell Wilson said he didn't really want to trade. So I wasn't really thinking too much into him. But but Aaron Rodgers, he just he just going from the quarterback play we were at, which is like 25th, 26th in the league, to go to two-time reigning MVP. That's a huge jump. So I was I was excited for that. And roller coaster of a day, end up getting Russell Wilson, who is five years younger. His contract is – it's only – it's funny. His contract is $35 million per year. Tyreek Hills is $30 million per year for a $5 million difference. They're getting an all-star quarterback over wide receiver, which I just find funny. But it really it really is the jump that the Broncos finally need, and they could finally actually try to do something in the absolutely loaded AFC. But uh, with, a, with a loaded AFC West, Jared, where do you think the Broncos will end up uh, at the end of the season, you have a, uh, any, any, any lasting thoughts on, uh, on anything we talked okay. about today. And what about the Broncos at the end of the season? This, this is a hot take personally, any team could finish first. Any team can finish last. I, I wouldn't be able to tell you where the Broncos are going to finish, but if I were to make a prediction, I think the Kansas city chiefs finished last in the division. That's my thought. Wow. Uh, I know, I know. Wow. But you just look at look at the offseason that, they, that they've had compared to the other teams. The Chiefs got worse. Every other team got better. It's eventually going to catch up to the Chiefs, and I think it's going to be this season. I think a lot of people are uh, overlooking the Raiders right now and the potential mm-hmm. they have. Not only did they make it to the playoffs last year on an interim head coach, uh, they now have Josh McDaniels, Derek Carr, who's been there a while, Hunter Renfro, who came into himself last season, Darren Waller, and now Devontae Adams. They were a solid team last year who won nine games. I think they could do a little better this year. Now, again, it's a loaded AFC, but, yeah, the Raiders got better, and, and you, could, you could say the Chiefs got worse. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, find, I find it funny because if you look at the two best offenses from the past two, from the 2000s on, which would be the 2007 Patriots and the 2013 Broncos, they both, they both had one thing in similar – Besides, uh, besides fantastic quarterback play, and they had, they had, both those teams had Wes Welker on them. Do you know who's very, very similar to Wes Welker? And he, what, are you talking about on the Broncos right now? No, 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 not on the Broncos, on the Raiders. You're talking. I'd be talking about Hunter Renfro. Exactly, Hunter Renfro. He he fills exactly the spot where Wes Welker filled, and it makes me think. The Raiders now having Devontae Adams who is just, it's really unfair. Then Darren Waller running right along with him. Hunter Josh, Renfro. Josh Jacobs back there that, too, who's not, who's not bad. And I think they still have Kenyon Drake. They, they do have both those players. It makes me think. This could be Derek Carr's. I know, I know he always gets slack. And for a Broncos fan, I'm supposed to hate him, but I don't, I really like him. This could be his breakout season right here. He, he has everything in his favor right now. It's just, matters if he puts it all together and i think he can yeah i think this is what i was gonna say i know you really gave a really hot take on the chiefs my thought after everything so far currently i think the Chargers are the best team in that division right now hands down then it comes down to the broncos the chiefs and the raiders right i think the broncos are going to make the playoffs this year now 
What's going to happen with new head coach Nathaniel Hackett, Russell Wilson coming into the fold? Can they pull that together early? Is that going to hurt them later in the season? Obviously, we know it's how you finish, not how you start. But how is that? How is the? I'm really looking to see how the beginning of the season for the Broncos starts. Now, I think the Raiders have another shot at making the playoffs. So I think it, then at that point, it comes down to the Broncos and the Chiefs. We saw the Chiefs struggle this year. Uh, and they had the same roster they did the past couple of years, the team that took them to the Super Bowl NFC Championship game. Obviously, they picked it up again this year, but they struggled early, early in the season, and it almost looked like we weren't, we weren't even talking about them last season. It, they had a disaster, an absolute disaster in the beginning of the season, Jared. And I believe you in, uh, on this, that the Broncos are going to make the playoffs I think the Raiders are going to make the playoffs. The Chargers are the best team at division. And considering the fact that the Chiefs just got a little bit worse, where does that leave them in the playoff picture? I, I think this could be a division that gives four teams in the playoffs. But you got to think too, Jared, you got the Browns with Deshaun Watson. You still have the Ravens, okay? You got the Bengals, okay? You have the Bills and Josh Allen, the Patriots, who are always something, the Dolphins now, who have weapons and have the team to do it, but can Tua pull it off, right? Uh, the Jets, who I really wish they would have some type of shot. I don't think they're going to make it to playoffs clearly, but I think they'll have a, a decent season. Then you move on to the AFC South and you have the Colts with Matty Ice. We'll see where that goes, but I think the Titans are for sure going to make the playoffs again. So you look at all that and you say at least one team is going to be left out somewhere, whether whether it's the Colts in the South or or one of the teams in the North. Not everybody's going to make it in. There's only seven slots, right? So where does it come down to in a division like the AFC West where every team is hot? Could just be the Chiefs left uh, left standing outside looking in. So I, I believe you on that. So, Jared, uh, any final thoughts on anything we talked about today? I, I got nothing. I mean, it's just been, it's been wild, and I'm expecting that not to change for a little bit. It's, it's going to be a wild. I'm excited for the draft. That's coming up a little less than a month away, and it's going to be something else. And I'm just ready to, ready to see it unfold. All right. So if you guys enjoyed listening to Jared and me this episode, I'm going to try having Jared back next week for next week's episode. And hopefully Fawad comes back on as well. Fawad Farouk, who we had on last a uh, couple episodes ago as well. We're going to be doing a pre-draft show. So that's going to be exciting. For now, guys, don't tune out. I'm going to stay stick with you. Jared. I appreciate you coming on for these past couple topics. We're gonna keep we're gonna keep the show going, but uh, Jared, we're gonna let you go for now. And uh, listen, I hope to see you next week. We got a, a a big show coming up. The draft is coming up, and I'm looking to have some some really f- a fun time. We're gonna have more guests on next week, but uh, for now, teasing in Jared a little bit. And uh, if you guys enjoyed him, come back next week because he's gonna be back on. Jared, thanks for having me. Have a good. Thank one. you, sir. All right, let's move on to our next topic. Here we go. Appreciate Jared coming on. Uh, like I said, hopefully he, he's going to come on next week, and we're going to have Fouad back on next week. We're going to talk some. We're going to talk some pre-draft, pre-draft rankings, pre-draft mock drafts. So tune into that if you're excited to hear about that stuff. We're going to be talking about a lot about that. But uh, I'm going to cover up on my last about. Uh, no, nah, we're almost there. About my last NFL segment. There's a couple more NFL things I want to talk about, but we're going to be moving on to basketball in a second. But the New York Jets, right? So there were some re- reports coming out that that NY and Joe Douglas, they, they've been aggressive, right? Joe Douglas said he's been aggressive. 
but they haven't been reckless in regards to bringing in players. And they, he said this down in the NFL meetings at Palm Beach in Florida, right? So it, it was rumored that Tyreek, the Jets were after Tyreek Hill. Clearly it was. And now it's rumored that they are eyeing three players. Rumored, three players. Uh, Joe Douglas is looking to bring in some type of, again, the GM of, of the Jets. Joe Douglas is looking to bring in a playmaker at the wide receiver, wide receiver position. There are three guys up on contract extensions right now. A.J. Brown for the Titans, Debo Samuel for the 49ers, and D.K. Metcalf, a name that's been swirling around out there for the Seahawks. All guys who are working on extensions right now and all teams that said they want to keep their guy and they intend to leave the, uh, keep, their, keep their guy. Again, Mike Rabel was up talking about A.J. Brown. Debo Samuel was mentioned by Kyle Shanahan. And D.K. Metcalf was mentioned by Pete Carroll and uh, John Schneider, the GM of the Seahawks. And the Seahawks said, we intend, we intend to keep them. And Kyle Shanahan said, I recommend it to on Debo Samuel. And Mike Vrabel talked a lot about A.J. Brown and his character skills and, and stuff like that. But all, all of them obviously said they want to keep their guy, keep him long term. But it began me thinking what guy could potentially be in New York. Now, it's going to be it, it would, it would it, I would just say it would cost the 10th overall pick at least. Right. But, but Tyreek Hill, they only wanted to give up the seconds. Dolphins were only giving up late round picks. So is that set the market for receivers? Because Tyreek Hill is at one of the top receivers in the league. Uh, let's just say it does take the 10th pick for one of these guys. I think Debo Samuel fits very well on this team, considering the fact of the Robert Sala and the, uh, the LaFleur connection. Uh, we have an offense corner, just the 49er roots. I think he would be a really good fit, a physicalness that they need uh, to bring to the team. DK Metcalf fits very well on this offense. Again, a bigger receiver, a playmaker who can go down there, bring some confidence in Zach Wilson. Uh, AJ Brown could do the same thing, come back and be teammates with Corey Davis. And again, bring a physical, I think that's what they're looking for, a physical receiver to bring into the run game and then come in the passing game, make a test of catches and go out there and be the number one wide receiver. So it's going to take a little bit to get him, but Joe Douglas and the Jets, they're looking out for him. And if the Jets can do that, bring in a bigger body wide receiver, if they trade up the 10th pick or however they get this receiver, that finally fills the void since Brandon Marshall and the Jets can get their number one wide out and help out Zach Wilson. And if you were to get Debo or DK uh, or A.J. Brown, you then have Elijah Moore, who drafted last year in the second round. You still have Denzel Mims, who's there from the second round from Baylor a couple of years ago. Uh, you still have Corey Davis, Braxton Berrios, who they brought back. So there's a good grouping for the Jets and Zach Wilson. Not only is Tyler Conklin there at tight end now, you have um, CJ Uzama at tight end from the Bengals. So the Jets are building something worth to watch and competable. It's just going to be interesting to see until draft day if one of these deals comes out or by July or whatever it is. By training camp, if they can get one of these deals done, something's going to fall, a domino is going to fall, and hopefully the Jets can strike and get one of these wide receivers. So let's move on to our next topic. Here we go. So we got St. Peter's. The magic goes to Seton Hall, right? So <clears throat> the head coach of, of St. Peter's, the St. Peter's Peacocks, Holloway has finalized a six-year deal with the, his former alma mater. And, uh, and Coach Holloway, he will be moving on from the Peacocks in St. Peter's. Uh, it was reported that the Peacocks, excuse me, St. Peter's made a deal, but it was obviously 
couldn't compete with Seton Hall's money, uh, quote unquote. So th- they're, they obviously couldn't keep him. He goes on a Seton Hall as his former alma mater and the magic, magical run by St. Peter's ends on a UNC loss in the elite eight, but there was a lot, a lot of turmoil they left in the, in the NCAA tournament. They knocked off teams like Kentucky, Murray state and Purdue, all teams who could have made it to the final four and all teams who were dominant this season and, 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 and had a really good shot in the, in the tournament. So shout out to St. Peter's. They're going to be having a, a team from New Jersey, team from New Jersey. Uh, they're going to be having a, a parade on Friday. So they, yeah. So, technically yesterday when this comes out and they're having a big parade in New Jersey for St. Peter's. Uh, they definitely deserve it. They were a team that not a lot of people knew about. I didn't realize it until, until Murray state, but, but shout out to St. Peter's coach Holloway, getting his, getting a deal and, and, and capitalizing on the magic that this team had this season uh, and a historic run by this team, putting them on the map. So let's move on to our next topic. Here we go. So the NBA playoffs are coming up, and we know Boston, Miami, Milwaukee, and Philly, they're all tied up at the top of the East, and it's going to be a dogfight towards the end. There's only a couple games left in this season before the playoffs, and the playoffs will kick off from April to June. But there is going to be a – there's a tight race at the top right now all four teams really good. Boston, who's picked it up close to the end. Philly, who's who the Sixers, who have picked it up again with, with James Harden, where it's gotten a little shaky right as of right now, but they had a, a little bit of a run right after that trade. So one of these two seeds are going to have to face Brooklyn, and that's going to be a tough challenge in itself with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, especially if Ben Simmons comes back and helps out on the defensive side of the ball. It's going to be really tough for one of these top seeds to go and have to play Brooklyn. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets, if that if that is the case, even with Kyrie and Kevin Durant, it's going to be hard. So being one of those top seeds, it's going to be it's going to be tough. But all those teams are tied up. I think Milwaukee is probably the best team in the East, the re- defending champions of last year. Uh, the Lakers find themselves back at number ten after slipping out to the Spurs. Uh, LeBron's injured. Do, do, is it time for? The Lakers to just give up and wait on for next season. Should they even try and make it into the playoff plan tournament? I think you always, always give it your best shot, but how are you going to risk LeBron coming back just to make it into the play in tournament and lose? Is it worth it? Uh, you know, Russell Westbrooks has ups and downs as of recently as well. So this, this season for the Lakers just hasn't panned out the way they wanted to do. AD got hurt again, hasn't panned out the way they wanted to. And the Lakers find themselves as a 10th seed but probably on the outside looking out, uh, looking in as this, as this goes on. But again, Brooklyn's going to create some serious headaches for some of these teams in the East and just a, uh, a, a, a pop out here. I think Giannis should, should be able to win MVP this season with everything he's done. I think he deserves it. Uh, so I'm just wanted to put that out there right now. So everyone knows Giannis for MVP. I think Milwaukee is the best team in the East right now. We're not even going to talk about the West because, the Phoenix Suns are on fire, but Milwaukee, Boston, Boston has been hot as of late, Miami, Philly, all teams tied up at the top, and it's going to be an interesting race, and we're going to talk a ton more about the NBA playoffs once that comes about, but for now, we're going to move on to our final topics of the day. Here we go. 
know, in other news, John Harbaugh extends extended. In other news, John Harbaugh got an extension with the Ravens. And I bring this up because they're doing deals with Lamar Jackson right now. And Deshaun Watson has his deal, right? And so we look at what owner Steve Buschetti said, right? And I'll read the quote. I'm trying to answer that when I had a reaction to it. So, and it's like, damn, I wish they hadn't guaranteed the whole contract. Buschetti said on Tuesday at the NFL meetings, I don't know that he, he should have been the first guy to get a fully guaranteed contract. To me, that's something that is groundbreaking and I'll, they'll make negotiations harder with others. So clearly he's referring to Lamar Jackson and, 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 and the team with, and the Ravens and the deal they're trying to get done with Jackson. I think at the end of the day, Lamar Jackson becomes a 30, $40 million quarterback and they get him done, but it definitely makes it a lot harder on him, especially because he's played a lot as a recently played a lot longer than Deshaun Watson. And because Deshaun Watson has been on break for a little bit, uh, with everything going on, we know. And Lamar Jackson is has one MVP. He's brought the team to the playoffs multiple times. So where does that leave negotiations with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens? Clearly, owner Steve Buscetti thinks it's going to be a little harder. In other news, Bobby Wagner to the Rams. I think I mentioned this last week by accident, and I, and I think I got ahead of myself. He visited with the Rams last week. I want to correct that. I think I said he joined the Rams last week. He just joined the Rams this week. Uh, I, I don't know where that came in my mind that I said that. I wanted to apologize about that. I think I got that incorrect last week. So he visited with the Rams last week. He signed with them this week. Uh, the Ravens made a really strong push for him. But the, in the end, he stays in the uh, NFC West. The Rams get him for a five-year, $50 million deal. And again, the Rams are loading up. They got Ron and Allen Robinson as well. They have lost some pieces like Andrew Whitworth at the tackle position. Uh, Robert Woods, they traded him away. So they lose. they have lost some pieces. They're bringing in other pieces. Interesting to see what the Rams will end up doing this year. But again, I think they're top dog in the NFC. And then then final, final news, Jane Ivey of Purdue declares for the draft. Again, I've been hung up on Purdue all year. Congratulations to Ivey and the great season and Purdue had the Boilermakers. And uh, congratulations to Ivey for declaring for the draft and, and good luck to him. So for our final thoughts for this episode, there's a lot of stuff going on. I'm excited for what's going to happen next week for Wad and Jared coming back on uh, next week's episode. We're going to be talking about pre-draft uh, mock mock draft rankings and, and stuff like that. So that should be exciting. Um, there's a lot of ton of stuff going on in the NBA. I'm really excited to see what the outcome is. I know we're a little short on that. We're going to really get into it once the playoffs starts, but I want to tease that a little bit in this episode. But Again, Brooklyn's going to cause some headaches. The Lakers, they're probably going to fall out. The Spurs have a shot at uh, the 10 seed to get in the play on tournament. So a lot of stuff going on there. And the Phoenix Suns have just been have just been rolling. Uh, they've been probably one of the most complete teams this year. So, again, NBA's heating up. Final Four is coming up. If, like I said earlier, if you haven't listened to it already, go check out the Tunnel Vision Roundtable on YouTube at the Tunnel Vision Sports YouTube channel. And go check it out on the Instagram as well. We got a ton of links uh, popped up for the video to go check it out the roundtable. It was me, John, Fawad, Jasmine, we were all on the roundtable together. Great show. Go check it out. Again, you'll be able to hear my picks. I'll tell you right now, Duke, I picked them to win the whole thing. So, and the Gamecocks on the women's side. So if you disagree with that, go listen to my thoughts, why I picked that. I didn't want to talk about it too much today. Didn't want to take away from the roundtable. So go listen to that. Go listen to the roundtable from Tunnel Vision Sports. Really good job by everyone. Really exciting. And congratulations to Dylan Holt for winning the last roundtable. We're coming for you. We're coming for you, Dylan. But again, shout out to Dylan Holt and shout out to the whole team at Tunnel Vision Sports for putting that together. Thank you for joining me again on another edition of Jake's Takes. I'll be back next Saturday to provide more of my takes. 
more of what stuff you guys want to hear, and I'm excited to get to it. Remember to visit Tunnel Vision Sports at tvsportsmag.com and follow our Instagram at tunnelvisionsports underscore and our Twitter account at underscore TV sports. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button or follow button. Leave a like, rating, or comment on the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. For Jared Danko, appreciate him joining today. And uh, I'm Jake Serrano signing off. Thank you once again for listening. And remember to keep up with all your sports needs with Tunnel Vision Sports. Positive shift in sports media. We get it popping, homie, day and night. Got the party jumping, about to break the ice. Stay up on my grind,